All righty, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Time Out with Doc and Caveman. As always, you are here with Dr. Fantasy and the Fantasy Caveman. We are continuing to roll along with our 2021-22 team previews. Today, we're going to be talking about the Detroit Pistons. Before we jump into that, make sure you subscribe on YouTube to our channel and wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll get notified anytime we post any great NBA content. We're going to be rolling through all 30 teams, so don't make sure you don't miss any of those. So, as I mentioned, Detroit Pistons today, recapping their 2020 season. They were 20-52 and 52 under Dwayne Casey, which was last in the Eastern Conference. Looking at their metrics, they had the fifth-fewest points in the league, so they really struggled offensively. However... They allowed the 10th fewest points per game. So they were a top 10 defensive team in terms of points allowed, which I think is interesting to know. And I'm going to talk about that quite a bit as we roll through this episode. Um, We'll um, we'll talk. I won't mention him too much, but Jeremy Grant obviously had a big season. Uh, Sadiq (laughs) Bey made the all-rookie first team in his first season with the team. 12.2 points, 4.5 rebounds. 84.5% free throw percentage, and then 38% from three. Uh, One thing that I wanted to mention, which was really interesting, I read this a few weeks ago, but Isaiah Stewart, who was a rookie big man for them last year, actually led all big men in the NBA in hustle plays. So there's different plays they categorize as hustle plays, and he was number one among all big men. So I thought that was cool. I'm very interested to see how that metric is scored. You can. I've actually looked into it. It's very interesting. It's things like, uh, do they dive for loose balls? How many contested shots do they allow? There's all these different, I think it's like 15 different stats that go into it. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, that's that does certainly seem interesting. You kind of mentioned it. Kind of mentioned, you mentioned him already. I mean, obviously, to me, the big standout from the season is Jeremy Grant. I mean, we kind of coming over from Denver, we kind of he finally got a chance to really show what he can do when he was given a larger role, and he didn't really he didn't disappoint. Uh, he averaged, he averaged, like I said, he averaged 20 over 22 points a game. Uh, he was kind of, he was arguably their best defender, their best offense. He was, but the the mate, to put it simply, he was pretty much their entire team last year, which, mm-hmm. uh, which would make sense considering they finished twenty. They only had twenty wins on the year. Uh, just that's <laughs> not that's not that's not saying anything bad about Jeremy Grant. It's just saying that you. No, you need more. Okay, and that's kind of that's kind of the big that's kind of the big overall theme or takeaway I have from Detroit last year. Is they need they need more. No, they they defensively they're okay. You kind of saw you mentioned their defensive rating ranking, which surprised even surprised me a little bit. But just especially on the offensive end, they just need more reliable scores on the offensive end. I mean, after Jeremy Grant, who was their number, was it, who, I don't even know, who was their number two option after Jeremy Grant last year? Was it, was it Sadiq? Was it Sadiq? Yeah, Sadiq Bay at 12 points, yeah. That's, see, I'm, I don't think you're going to get very far with your second league for averaging 12 points a game. Are you sure? Uh, I don't think that is. Uh, I know. 
I know you love defense, Jordan, but I'm sorry. I don't know if there's been I don't think there's ever been a defensive team that won where your second leading scorer was only averaging twelve points a game. That's just not gonna cut it. Uh now they kind of I think you could say they uh did something to address that in the draft, but we can get to that in a second. But yeah, just like I said, the overall theme. Uh Lots of youth and inexperience, and I think it just showed, and I think that's kind of the bottom line of their season. Yeah, and we could kind of beat a dead horse with Jeremy Grant, but I'm going to go a different direction with what impressed me, and I think that's Dwayne Casey. And the reason for that is how often do you see a team that's the worst in their conference and their head coach gets an extension? I mean, I don't remember that ever happening. So the fact that this team still played tough defensively, I think says a lot about what he did. I always liked him in Toronto, and I think he's a really – He's kind of like in that Tom Thibodeau range, except better, in my opinion. But he uh, just – I like Dwayne Casey. I mean, they're similar coaches, though, and they look for similar style of players. And kind of like Isaiah Stewart, just the gritty defenders, hustle guys. So uh, I, I think Dwayne Casey really had a – I mean, I don't want to say an impressive season because they stunk. But, I mean, there's a lot to be said when he a guy gets an extension when his team's that bad. So I think they have a lot of faith in him. Jeremy Grant, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does with some pieces around him. Because not only did they struggle with just they didn't have the talent, they also struggled with injuries too. I mean, Killian Hayes, who a lot of people wanted to see, including you, you loved Killian Hayes last season. Uh, I love, I love, I love, I love Killian Hayes in this offense with the pieces they have. Yeah, he only played 26 games last year, so we're still, there's a lot to be seen with him. He's still only 21 years old. Uh, But behind him, really, it's once again one of those things, when we went through the season leaders with the Rockets, nobody was on their team anymore. It's kind of, I mean, the same thing here. Not many players played consistently for him. So they had Mason Plumley, who led in rebounds, who left in free agency. Isaiah Stewart with uh, 6.7 rebounds. Killian Hayes technically led the team in assists with 5.3. Same thing, steals DeLon Wright technically with 1.6, and nobody else really had much to speak of that played significant time for him. Then Isaiah Stewart with blocks at 1.3. So there's not much to talk about season leader-wise, just Jeremy Grant really showed what he could do. But I'm in, like I said, I'm interested to see what happens with more pieces around him because was were his numbers more of a product of no one else was there or has he really made improvements? I think that's a question that's going to have to be answered moving forward. Um, so let's go to the draft then. Uh, obviously, Cade Cunningham went number one overall to them. Besides that, just a bunch of second round. Never heard of him. Just a bunch of second round picks. Isaiah Livers went 42 overall. Luke Garza, 52 overall. And then Balsa Kipravika, who uh, I've actually I've looked into him a little bit. I'm in a very deep NBA league where there's 60 picks in a rookie draft. And I actually took him with one of my late picks. He's actually a really athletic guy from overseas and probably going to be a developmental guy for him. But in a few years, that's a name that might be uh, playing some valuable minutes for them. But uh, I mean, with the draft, I mean, what are you going to say? It's Cade Cunningham. I mean, any other comments about their draft as a whole? I mean, you know, we kind of, we talked, we, we talked about it when we did his pod because we knew he was going to Detroit. We talked about it. We talked about it when we did the draft. When we were live for the draft, we talked about it. I don't know how much more. I mean, 
we we were talking about it before we went live. Because his summer league debut was very was very interesting to say the least. Uh, he started off hot and then kind of you know kind of cooled off a little bit. I mean, he was kind of subbed out, so that might have been why he cooled off. I mean, but he showed he definitely showed flashes of his superstar potential, and I think. That's why I like. That's why I kind of when I was talking about Killian Hayes and his fit with his offense, I love that. I love this potential backcourt of uh, of Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham. I think that's going to be very exciting, and we will. And we'll we'll just we'll I'll I'll save my exact thoughts around when we get to our predictions. Spoiler alert, but. Spoiler! Uh, oh no, he failed. <laughs> I mean, can I say I'm gonna say something crazy, and I'm in the minority here. I think their draft was underwhelming. I'll go out there and say that. Of course, you got Cade Cunningham at number one, but later on in the draft, I don't know if they added anybody who you can be overly excited about moving forward. Potential role players, but it, was, was 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 an interesting pick for me. Yeah, I mean. I like what they did in terms of they added three livers, Garza and Kupervik are all centers with a lot of length. And you're kind of seeing a theme with them, which is something. This is a team that's kind of being built almost how I would build a team. A lot of high energy hustle, defensive minded guys, which all three of those bigs are. So I like the direction they're going in, but I don't know. I still think this team is lacking punch behind Cade Cunningham. So I would have liked to see them. You know, the Rockets were very aggressive in getting first round picks last year. So that, I mean, that's a sexy draft. This one, I think it was a good draft, but people continually say this was one of the best drafts. And I don't know, of course they got Cade Cunningham, but they didn't really have to make a decision. Like after that, it's hard to, it's hard to mess it up at the, at the, like after Cade Cunningham, it doesn't, it almost like, doesn't matter who you pick because you're gonna have a good draft because you got to. It matters to me. I mean, it matters. It matters to Jordan. That's what matters. I just after you take a guy like Cunningham, I don't know. I want to see like a sexier draft. But like I said, I mean, these are guys that are going to be all I think role players long term. I can't see any of them developing into you know all star, even high end starters. But I think they're more guys that are going to come off the bench and play minutes for you. So. I mean, there's something to be said for that, but I guess I would have liked to see more and then be a little more aggressive to add high-end pieces around Cade Cunningham. So let's go to some more additions and losses. Uh, additions, I we mentioned the last episode, uh, Kelly Olenek heads over to give them some depth and uh, some uh, veteran presence in the front court. Corey Joseph, they re-signed. They also re-signed Saban Lee, and then they brought in Trey Lyles. The only two guys they've lost, Mason Plumlee went over to the Hornets, and then Wayne Ellington went over to the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think really here it's mostly talking about Kelly Olenek. Do you think that's a good fit with what they're doing right now? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, they don't really – I mean, he kind of gives that like, – I think every team could use, like, uh, could use that veteran, you know, veteran depth at the at – the, uh, Especially at the point guard and at the five, the two those two positions, which is what they, which is why I like why they, I like how they resigned Corey Joseph, and I like that they brought in Talia Olynyk. Kind of gives you, 
kind of that veteran uh, leadership and presence at uh, those positions. So I think it's a I think it's a good fit. Uh, I think they're both of them are good fits along with all the young pieces. Yep, I would agree. And that was one of the things when you looked at this team before this offseason, it was kind of Isaiah Stewart and nobody at the four and five. So definitely through the draft with the the one thing with those other guys that I mentioned the second round too, they're all older draft picks. They're all 22 or older. So those are guys that they're hoping are going to step in and contribute right away. So they definitely addressed the concern in terms of depth in the front court. Um, so I will give them credit for that. So they, they did do that. Yeah. I mean, it's more of a game of quantity instead of quality. They just wanted to throw darts at a bunch of big men and hope that, you know, if one of those guys pans out and is a valuable guy off the bench, that's a win. One of them. One of them's the odds are one of them's going to pan out. to me. Luke Garza to me feels like, um, Kind of like Doug McDermott, almost where he's not like an overly athletic. He's just more of he puts up numbers. He put up good numbers. I remember watching him a few times at Iowa. He's not overly quick. He's not overly athletic. He's just kind of a fundamental guy that gets it done. So I thought he was going to go a little higher in the draft. Guys, though. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like your type of player. Yeah, I mean, that's why I like the picks. I just... This is a team that, when you look at their depth chart now, behind Cade Cunningham, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll talk about their depth chart now. I'm a little worried about their depth personal, or their uh, yeah, their depth personally. So, I am. Uh, so when you look at their backcourt right now, you have Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham. And the reason I'm concerned is Corey Joseph is a good piece off the bench, but when you're looking at their backcourt of Corey Joseph, Josh Jackson, Shaq Diallo, and Saban Lee. I mean, who's running the second unit and scoring for them off the bench? I think that's a big question. A lot of the best teams in the league, they have that guy. And I'm not saying Jordan Clarkson level, but they have a guy you can point to and say, that guy's running my second unit and he's going to be effective. I don't think they have that. Saban Lee, Joseph. What's that? Yeah, Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson's gone now, right? He's a free agent. Well, they could re-sign him, but... Either way, I just that's the thing that worries me. I like their starting lineup. When you look at Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, you go, okay, like I can see where we're going here. But when you look at who's behind Killian Hayes, Cunningham, and Bay, it's Jackson, Joseph, Diallo, and Saban Lee. That's it. So that worries me a little bit. I mean, the front core, I do think they have depth now. Jeremy Grant's listed as their four. And Stewart as their other starter. And Kelly Olynyk is going to, whether he starts or he comes off the bench, either way, he's going to play a lot of minutes for him. Trey Lyles can play good minutes off the bench. They also had Sekou Diomboya, who played some good minutes for them last year. They added Garza and those other pieces. So a lot of front court depth. But when you're looking at the second unit, I don't know. I'm not, Kelly Olynyk. I guess, can lead them offensively. But I'm a little worried about their backcourt depth, and I think that could hurt them. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but I mean, I think you see, I think a guy like, I think a guy like Saban Lee has a lot, has some potential to do something off the bat. Uh, see Demboya as well. I mean, these guys, I mean, they're going to get the opportunity. I think guys, I think specifically Saban Lee, uh, Siku Demboya, uh, which is why I think you could see one of either Livers or Garza can 
have the potential to step up as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it on paper. It doesn't look like they have a bunch of scoring punch off the bench, but I, 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 I think on all these guys, like one or two of them at least has has to have like has is gonna is gonna come through and provide some scoring. Uh, is gonna provide some scoring punch. I mean, you got They have a bunch of guys with like they have a bunch of guys with like, and eh, they could they could possibly provide some decent offense off the bench. She said, "There's nobody you're like sold on." So I think with you just it goes back to just throwing darts at a dartboard. One of these guys. A couple, one or two of these guys off the bench ought to stick, and that's kind of that's kind of where I that's kind of where I'm thinking of it. One of one or two of these guys ought to produce some offense off the bench. Yeah, and I think that's what they were going for in the draft when you look at it at the end of the day. So let's talk. You alluded you had something to talk about here, where we think they're going to finish this season, and obviously moving forward with Cade Cunningham, this is a team that has the potential to win a championship within the next few years. If they, well, I won't say next few years, you know, similar to the Rockets, you know, maybe three years from now, this is a team that could really start making some noise if they develop some chemistry together. I think really the key to that is going to be Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham gelling together. Each other well. Before being honest, I think on paper they fit. On paper, I think they fit. They're a very modern backcourt. A few years ago, you didn't want multiple back or ball handlers in your backcourt. You had that one guy that took the ball up and was your primary ball handler and facilitator. Now, I mean, this is a modern backcourt. Two guys that can facilitate, be playmakers. Uh, the one thing that I like is Killian Hayes hasn't shown a ton defensively right now. And, you know, we mentioned it in Cunningham's episode where he is very good defensively and I think that's going to be a big plus for this team that was already good defensively but uh, for me the big question we kind of danced around it and mentioned it but to me whether or not this team is a playoff team or not is going to largely depend on if they have enough offensive punch and that's a reality this team played well defensively last year with additions like Olenek Cunningham I don't see them being worse defensively this is a team that will probably be a top 10 defensive team under Dwayne Casey's system and I could see them being kind of like the Knicks last season though the Knicks were a top end defensive team but they couldn't score so you know could I see that being the situation for the Pistons this year Yes. Would I bet on them being a top eight team? No, but the playoffs are extended to 10 now and I could see them finishing nine or 10. I think there's just, once you get beyond the top teams in the Eastern conference, there's just question marks for me personally. You know, when you look at the Pacers and the Hornets and the Bulls, I mean, and everyone has high expectations for the Bulls, but we have to see how that all gels together. The Raptors are young and a question mark, the Cavs, the Magic. There's just a lot of question marks. So based on their defensive ability, that's going to keep them in games all season. So if they can gel together offensively, there's no reason this team can't make a push into being, you know, uh, in that play in tournament at the end of the season. Yeah, and that's kind of where I see a lot. I see a lot of people that still aren't sold on them being I. I think they're going to be a top eight. Uh, 
I I think they're going to be a top eight team. Now there's a lot of, and we're gonna get, we're gonna go over this as we get along, especially in the Eastern Conference. I feel the Eastern Conference as a whole, boy, there is going to be there is the East got strong this off season through the draft and through free agency. Predicting the even predicting the top ten teams that are going to make the playoffs. It's going to be a challenge. Like, I'm, I've, I've started to, like, kind of in the back of my head. I kind of have a draft, people, I think. But I was like, I have no freaking idea. Uh, <laughs> Pistons, one of those. Pistons are one of those. Honestly, you can have them anywhere from, I think if you have them above eight, you're kind of delusional. <laughs> but I think realistically, the Pistons can finish anywhere from eight to, don't think they finished last. Uh, I, I don't think they finished last again. But you could see them finish anywhere from like eighth to uh, maybe like thirteenth. Mm-hmm. They're anywhere in that range. I think you can make a case to be in any one of those spots. So, me personally, I think they're gonna. I think I I have very high expectations for them behind Cunningham and that in that backcourt with Jeremy Grant evolving. Uh, and Isaiah Stewart as well. Sadiq. I, I love the pieces. I think that's not going to be a day one, game one fit. But I think over the course of the season, I really expect this team to gel. So I, I, I am probably on the the higher end of that. And I, I think they get, I honestly see them in the eighth, in the eighth spot. Yeah, I agree, though. I can't see them finishing below 13. I think they'll still be ahead of the Magic and the Raptors at the very least. I can't see them finishing below those two teams. So that would put them at 13. So, And even so, I would still probably have them above the Cavs and honestly the Wizards for me at this point. So I might go as far to say 8 to 11 is a decent range for them. I mean, but if I'm talking about like... Oh, yeah, absolute worst, yeah. Let's say at worst case scenario, Jay Cunningham sucks. Uh, This team doesn't go at all. Even if that's the case, I don't think they finish below thirteen. So that's kind of they're like worst case scenario floor. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely reasonable. So that's the Detroit Pistons. Then uh, our next episode is going to be the Orlando Magic. So oh. keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, very very fun. So make sure you guys subscribe on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. We have 28 more teams to go, so lots of content coming out. Make sure you tune in, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time. Yep.